It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. We are back at it, Las Vegas. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 989 FM, 1340 AM. Tim Unglesby and Mateo. Mateo with us tonight, running the board over at the Lotus Broadcast Studios as we emanate from Las Vegas, Nevada. And of course, my co host, Tom Barton Sports.com, hashtag SGN. Mr. Tommy Barton, Tom, we're back. And uh, we got, like I said, via the Twitter, we got a fun show tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in a pumped up mood today, man. Not only do we have NFL, but we just came off of just a massively impressive, by anyone's count, day for me at TomBartonSports.com. And that's right. My first real football, college football day. Tim, you saw the numbers. You saw what it was. Oh, 4-0 yeah. clean sweep, baby. I love it. I thought you were going to say we just came off a massively long draft that lasted five hours, and we literally almost had to, to cancel the show, Tom, because the draft was still going. You know, it, it's funny because <laughs> people ask me all the time about the draft and, oh, how many fantasy drafts are you in? What are you in? What do you do? So we always talk about the, uh, you know, the one, the heat wave draft, yeah. and people think it's crazy rules. It's two quarterbacks, two tight ends, two kickers, uh, two defenses, and a five-man bench, right? People think we're nuts. Every transaction you make, you you got to, uh, you know, pay up. And, and people think that league's nuts. Well, the league we're just in, okay, is um, two-quarterback league, but you're only allowed to keep three total on your team. So you got to make sure that the bye weeks coordinate. Two running backs, three receivers, uh, tight end, flex position. Then we have three defensive linemen, four linebackers, four defensive backs, and a 25-man bench. <laughs> First half <laughs> is auction. Second half and the reserve guys are a snake draft. It, it's wild. It's completely wild when you start getting into these crazy fantasies. You got me into that draft this year. I, I passed last year because I was already doing too much. But this year, I was like, Tom, if that draft spot opens up or if a league spot opens up, get me in. I'd like, like to do that. But when you really sit there and think about it and, and, and you're looking at you know, I was I did half in the car because I had had a couple things I had to do, but it's crazy, just the depth of it, and um, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, no doubt about it. But it's really not for guys that are casual football fans. Let's just put it that way. No, and that's what I like about it. You know, I, I mean, I, I have uh, regular, basically, you know, just regular drafts here and there, but. I like Dynasty. I like Keeper. I like, uh, you know, crazy rules. I, I like to try to manipulate the crazy rules. I love it. I love everything about it. Somebody actually asked me on Twitter and they said, uh, they said, you know, how, how'd, how'd your first couple of picks go? And uh, it was right after we just did the, uh, the, the heat wave draft. And I said, ah, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> I took Kelsey and Kittle back to back. Which sounds insane, right? It sounds completely crazy, but not when you have two tight ends. The advantage is there. So uh, right. it is kind of funny how people, you know, have evolved away from just the straight ten-man snake draft. Yeah. Well, this is uh, look. We've had college football, Tom, the last two weeks. Week zero, they call it now, and week one. So week two, college football today. 
But that is a prelude to what happens in just 12 hours from now, Tommy. 12 hours from now, kickoff, week one of the NFL. Yes, I know there was a game Thursday night. Yes, that was it was a hell of a football game. But the real fun starts on Sunday when every game is going. Uh, you've got 26 TVs. you got every game on from 10 a.m. all the way till 10 at night. And then that leads into Heat Wave Sports, the Super Sunday Night Edition of Heat Wave Sports. So this is what we've been waiting for, week one. So tonight, we're going to break down every game in week one of the NFL, we're going to get a free pick from Tom Barton. Last year, Tommy, I believe you were well over 60% on just the free plays on the show. But before we do any of that, we did have some college football. And I, I think we do need to spend a little bit of time on that because there were upsets today, Tommy. And, um, you know, none bigger than Ohio State losing in the horseshoe at home. But let's get everybody up to date real quick on the games that are going because if – you're a guy like C. Win. I know you got some some parlay money out there. BYU up 23-7 as they start the fourth over Utah. Utah, a top 20 team, upset City. Stanford 28-13 at USC. USC, a top 15 team, losing by 15 right now. And the game everybody wants to know about, Tom, down there in Tempe, the Arizona State Sun Devils heading to the fourth lead that very very good UNLV football team 21 to 10. Yeah, well, 21-10, and hey, they're, they're, this is going to be the biggest, they might as well have a parade right down the strip tomorrow, right? This is going to be the biggest news story tomorrow that they hung in the game. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. 33-point dog. They Money line. They humiliated. 33-point 30, underdog. It's going <laughs> to it's gonna hang in there. Uh, yeah, that's what it's going to be. Look, I laid off. I'm going to be honest with you. Look, I was on the show, and uh, I was on the show last week. And I said, you know, 33, and mine and Chris Wynn's initial reaction is, oh, my goodness, it should be 40. There's no way it should be anywhere near that. And the more I looked at it, the more I said, you know, Arizona State is going to be at home. They really don't have a reason to spank UNLV. Now, they're struggling with them, but they didn't have a reason to spank them. They are a younger team. Um, Their coach isn't somebody that goes out there and tries to kind of make statements and I laid off today. It went all the way up, by the way, um, to 35. And I laid off. And luckily, I laid off because it looks like UNLV, they, they might not win. But it looks like they're going to cover the game. I already know how it's going to go, Tom. It's as long, If they cover... Gritty, gritty effort. Right, right. And it's more of an indictment of ASU not playing up to their caliber rather than UNLV hanging around for me. And I think, really, we should all look forward to next next week right tom when iowa state comes down that might actually that might be you might need some murder charges pulled up on iowa state after that because the way they went down today a top 10 team uh there's no uh, letting off the gas per se next week for iowa state i think they're out for blood and what did we talk about last week i said to everybody because i gave iowa today plus four and a half and sprinkled some on the money line i told everybody i liked iowa and Mm -hmm. You just have to go back. Iowa State, for whatever reason, and I I don't know why, Tim, but for whatever reason, struggle in September. Go look at their past Septembers. They just get get out of the gate poorly. Iowa also owns this team. And it is pretty funny that we talk about and we look at preseason rankings. And me and Abby were talking about this today. And and it's just preseason rankings are just ridiculous. It's just it really is. Iowa should be the number one team in the country right now. And before anybody freaks out, here's why. Yeah, I know Georgia beat Clemson, but Iowa went on the road and beat Indiana last week, right? 
um, or, or beat Indiana, I should say, last week. Indiana was a fringe top 25 team. Now they go on the road and beat Iowa State, their rival. And Iowa State started the year in the top 10. So they've now beaten two very good teams, two rival-type teams. They've done it on the road. But you know what? Iowa won't get a top five sniff tomorrow or Monday. You know, they're not going to get that when we wake up on Monday because they're Iowa. And it, it is a shame because you look at Iowa and you go, wait a minute, Big Ten might be wide open now and we might be missing the boat on Iowa. Hey, I'll keep taking those points. I was stunned to see plus four and a half in that kind of rivalry game. And Arizona State just put up a touchdown now 27-10 in the fourth quarter. So that's 17, Tom. The, the spread was 33. Probably not going to get there, but uh, if you're doing a little in-game, I, I saw a little in-game just a few minutes ago. Arizona State was minus 15. So, But isn't uh, this where UNLV is going to get hurt all year long, Tim? Is the same thing I said last year. They have a small offensive and defensive lines. Their offensive and defensive lines are their, their problem area. So at the end of the game, when a team like Arizona State is basically just trying to run out the clock, they're going to be able to run out the clock and run people over with their big offensive line. Their backup mm-hmm. offensive linemen are bigger than the starters, and they're they're more agile, and they're just better than the starting you know, team. So they're going to run it, run it, run it, and just run it down UNLV's throat. That's what happened last year to this team. Yeah, already, if you want to look at tonight's stats – Arizona State's put up 225 yards on the ground. So, so that kind of, and, and you've seen most of it happen here, like you said. It was close, it was close, and now they're going to start to pull away. So, you know, he's going to go into this um, offense to try to catch up. They're going to turn the ball over on downs or, or punt it away, and you're going to see them just eat that clock up and continue to eat chunks of yardage up. It, you're right. It is what it is. And I don't even know about next week. You know, next week's, I don't think it's close to start, right? No, There's no reason why Iowa State doesn't put 50 up next week. But that's the thing. You know, people are going to walk away from this game, and they're going to walk away with their head held high. And, oh, look, we came to play, and we gave them everything. That, but you didn't. The game plan for Arizona State tonight was, very simply, run the ball. You're not going to get giant blowouts most of the time when you run the ball. Look at what Alabama did today. They, You know, saving screaming at guys on the sideline up by 42 an FCS team, right? I mean, he's, he's losing his mind. Uh, they didn't cover. The line was 53 and a half. But you look at certain game plans. Arizona State, what the game plan wasn't to throw it all over the field. The game plan was, all right, these guys can't stop the run. We're going to be able to lean on them. You know, it might be a close game for two, two and a half quarters. And then we're just going to run and run and run, run up those numbers, and, and we're going to get a comfortable win. I think next week, you know, I believe it's going to be an inflated line again. And I, I I know that UNLV should get crushed. They really should. But if Iowa State's sitting there and they're going, okay, look, we're coming off of a loss. We want to put up a quick, you know, quick 20-point lead, 24-point lead, something like that. Let's get out to a nice 24-0 lead. And then what are we going to do? What's the game plan? Just lean on these guys. Just mm-hmm. lean on these guys, you know? And so while UNLV is a bad team. They might be one of the worst teams in the country. Maybe the scores are not going to be as outlandish as you think, just because the teams that know what their weaknesses and the UNLV's weaknesses, late in games, you could just run all over them. Well, we like to play guess the number, right, Tom? Arizona State at home, 33 today against UNLV. Iowa State will be in Las Vegas next week. 
you know, it's got to be more than 30. So I was saying coming off of a loss. Right. But people are also going to go, oh, they're kind of frauds. They didn't play a great game one. Um, the general public is going to say, well, UNLV is at home. Look, UNLV covered the 33, right? They're going to cover this spread most likely. I think it's going to be lower than what you think, Tim. I, I opened this up and I said it's got to be at least 40. I don't yeah. know if it's much more than, I, you know, I, I want to say 35. But I, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that the public is a little overzealous on UNLV, depending on how tonight ends. I think you're going to be able to get it at almost the exact same spread as tonight. I think you're looking at a 32-30, but three-point spread. Okay. And a 40-10 a forty to 10 Iowa State win doesn't cover the number. Right. right. And, I, and that's the whole thing. I mean, when you're playing these ridiculous lines, and I tell people that all the time, I don't take one side. I know people, anytime it goes over 40, they're going, I'm taking the 40 points. Like, nah, your team might not score. Right? UNLV may not score next week. Um you know, 45 nothing. you cover the number kind of thing. So these high lines, I kind of just stay away from. And that's why I stayed away from Arizona State today. I put up all kinds of statistics and numbers on Alabama, and I stayed away from that game as well. There are just certain points where they just price you out of the market. And I believe that next week might be one of those spots, Tim. If it's under 30, everybody's going to jump on Iowa State. I mean, everyone's going to go crazy for it. So they're not going to set it there. And if it's 40 or more, I think you're going to get a lot of UNLV action. So they have to set it so people are kind of tempted in that spot. I, I think they might open it up at 33, 34, right there, right under the seven touchdowns. Or the and, six you know, yeah. So there's 12 minutes to go. What if Arizona State gets another two touchdowns, Tom? That could perceive, you know, all of a sudden that great gritty effort became blowout city. Yeah, well, that'll move the line. Yeah, absolutely yeah. that'll move the line. You know, sure, if they don't cover this game, like I said, I if you ask me before the game was played, uh, any games today were played, I think Iowa State minus 40 was a good number. That was a solid number. Iowa State goes out there, they lose to Iowa. Yeah, you got the bounce back factor, but you also have the factor of, oh, man, you know what, we might have just lost our national title hopes coming off of a huge game against our rival. Now we got to go play these lowly, you know, guys, mm -hmm. come on. And I could absolutely see a backdoor cover from a UNLV team when Iowa State doesn't care. So, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to be going near it. I if, it. if it leans towards 40, I'm not taking UNLV, but I understand if people want to. If it leans and it ticks down close to 30, I may be tempted, but I don't think I'm going to go near it. I think you just set the number, 35, right? 35 makes a lot of sense. But you know what? They, they rarely ever put it on 35 mm -hmm. because it's kind of, uh, you know, it's that, that round number. So they'll put it at 34 or 36, and they'll wait to see if, it, if they can push it up to 35 or bring it down to 35. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see tomorrow. I, I'm sure by tomorrow night we'll know the number. So uh, interesting to see what happens the rest of this game. 27-10. Arizona State leads with 11.49 to go in the fourth. Looks like the Rebels are going to turn it, or trade it back over. So, by the way, you can listen to the show and have that on ESPN2 at the same time because we're about to talk about, Tom, uh, you said it, Alabama, winner today over that strong, strong program in Mercer. Georgia just... <laughs> and they gave them everything they could have, man. Saber was flipping out on the sideline. They got, they got, they got, they scored twice. So I yeah. mean, you know, that's that's huge for them. Georgia, huge, 
huge crush. They just crushed Alabama Birmingham today. Rattler, five touchdowns against Western Carolina. Uh, Clemson, off the loss, they got their first win of the year. But it was all, you know, the, the eyes were on early this morning, Tom. Ohio State at home, knocked off by a Pac-12 team in Oregon who had just, just, you know, squeezed through week one. And they're now 2-0. and And the Buckeyes, who were in my final four, Tommy, they pulled their first loss. Yeah, my friend Dave texted me earlier today, and he said, okay, so if Oregon upsets Ohio State, do they? does the Pac-12 get any credit? And I said to him, I said, well, first let's see it happen. And I still don't don't think that they're going to get any credit. And I really don't. I still, the conversations that are being had are exactly what you said. Well, you know what? Oregon struggled in week one. And it's not the same Ohio State team and all that. Look, I was worried about Ohio State this year because the guy throwing passes for them um, was a guy that never threw passes before. And Ohio State hasn't had that happen since the 50s. Okay. So it worried me. It concerned me pretty greatly that we're sitting back and we're kind of anointing Ohio State as if it's the same kind of Ohio State team. Now, I never expected them to lose this game at all. Uh, this was not a game that I expected uh, you know, Oregon to, to go in there and do what they did. I expected Oregon to always play tough, but not to pull the upset. With that being said, it can't be all that shocking to people. Oregon's a good program. Ohio State was due for a down year. And then I ask you this, Tim, does it matter? Does this really sway the idea that Ohio State's now out of the national championship? Or are they one of those teams that we talk about every year? Are they one of those, I don't know, what, five, six teams in the country that the rules simply don't apply to them? Right. They they go undefeated the rest of the way, win the Big Ten, they're in the Final Four. I promise you that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're definitely right. And, and that's the whole... Yeah, you know, that's a, that's kind of the crux of the situation. You know, the the Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, uh, probably even you, you could probably say USC, Notre Dame, Clemson, maybe six teams in the country that simply do not play by the same rules as everybody else. You can lose, doesn't end your season. I just talked about Iowa State losing. What did I say right after that? Well, national title hopes are down the drain. And there's nobody going to argue with me with that. Oh, of course they are. Oh, yeah, done. Completely done. But you know what? Ohio State loses today. And you're going to go, ah, you know what? It was to Oregon early in the season, even though it was at home. I think there's going to be a lot of what it, what it isms, you know, coming in. Well, you know what? It was this and it was that and it was this. It's excuses. Yeah, right. Iowa State loses. No chance. They can't. They can't win the national. But if... It were Iowa that lost, Tom, and they ran the table on the Big Ten. They were in the Final Four. It, it's, it's who you are, not what you are, right? Right. But I don't care who you are, and this is what I said about Alabama years ago when they lost LSU. I don't care. My rules do not target your team. People thought used to think I was an SEC hater, and then they thought I was a USC hater, an Oregon hater, and then now it's an Ohio State hater. My rules do not apply to just your team. They apply universally. If you lose... At home, during the year, you do not go to a national championship. The end. It's hard and fast rules, Tim. I don't care. Any excuses, any reasons, any... No, you cannot lose at home at any point during the year and still convince me you should be allowed to go to the national championship. No way, no how. 
let's kind of peel through this the rest of this this schedule today and we look at the upsets how about how about this one we'll do the we'll do the um the almost before we do the for sure and it involved two teams that played last week almost this week tom notre dame 32 29 there are definitely some problems with the fighting iris that we've seen in week one and two now yeah jack Cohn's a player right popped his finger back in after it was broken i i like this kid but he can't do it all himself and you said it man look Look at what Florida State did. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but look at what Florida State did today or didn't do today, and then look at what Notre Dame, and all of a sudden you feel good about Notre Dame's win last week, about Notre Dame's win this week. Yeah, Notre Dame has some serious, serious defensive problems. I can tell you that. And they were in full force. Now, Jack Cohn looks like a player, you know, and they have some nice things working. What was interesting to me was last week after uh, Notre Dame beat Florida State, Brian Kelly got a lot of flack in the media and people flipped out because he was not happy with his team. You know, he said they should be executed. You know, it's a it's an old quote and whatnot. But um, he was he was not happy with his team. And people said, how are you that upset after a loss? Well, I think Brian Kelly saw a lot of the, the same demons, we'll call it, that happened today. And he was nervous about it. This is not a Notre Dame team that's going to be knocking on the final four doorstep. And they shouldn't. They've taken on two pretty bad teams, pretty poor teams, and they barely survived both. Notre Dame, with you know one bounce here, one bounce there, they could be 0-2. And we have an update from the province. Arizona State touchdown, 34-10. Tom, they ran for 52 yards on that drive. People are going to get so mad at me because we opened up the show and I said, alright, so you know if he's going to cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they don't, oh man, right. So attack on another 52, so they're over 300 yards on the ground today. We, we, we literally just said that 10 minutes ago. That That's all, that's all they're going to do is run the ball, and they can't stop them. They cannot. That, but that, that has been a prevailing problem for UNLV for years. And right. I've argued and screamed, why do they have such a small defensive line? Well, then when they bulk the defensive line up, but you look at the, the guys that they recruited, and I'm going – yeah, you might have got a little bit bigger, but did you get any better? I mean, it is, it, it's just a weak defensive line at the end of the game. It, it, they're just smiling back there. Arizona State is playing their second and third stringers, and they're smiling, running over people. Yeah. That tough, gritty effort is borderline verge of Blowout City here with 8.45 to go. And Stanford, Tommy, another touchdown heading into the fourth quarter, up 35-13 over, Notre, or over USC. So USC is going to pick up a loss here this week as well. Well, this is going to be a down year for Stanford, right? Everybody was down on Stanford. They weren't going to look good this year. It, it, was a, it was a line that I looked at and I said, wow, you know what? Only 16 and a half, really, with USC? They're supposed to be on the upswing. Slovis looked good. And Stanford just proven, you know what, we're, we're well coached. <laughs> and we're going to go that, out there and we're still going to compete because we are very well coached. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. It, it's all about the coach. That, that man there, I mean, you know I talked about it for years, Tom. That man there should always be in discussion for coach of the year because he's never, gives, he's never given any credit since, even you know, never given any credit. And he consistently produces winning teams out of there. And think about the grades you need to even get in there, right? So right. he's not recruiting like the rest of us are recruiting. Right? He's not recruiting like the rest of the country is recruiting here. He is recruiting the upper echelon. He's recruiting very smart people that are praying to get into his college as opposed to, I'm going there to play football. We had an almost 
I, I guess you would call it a, an almost upset. It just depends on how you feel about the Miami Hurricane team this year. They survived Appalachian State, Tom. You and I both loved Appalachian State, actually, with the points in this game. But it, when it came down to and true upset, you mentioned it, Jacksonville State knocks off Florida State on the road at in Doak, right? They beat them in Doak, so and we knew Florida State was going to be a li- you know it's an up it's it's a program that's trying to rebuild through itself, but they they had that spirited effort on national TV against Notre Dame, and a week later we kind of broke that down for you again. What really Notre Dame's more so about? But how do you explain this one? The, um, embarrassment. That's the only thing I can think of right now. It's been almost nothing but embarrassment since Bobby Bowden was forced out. And it's almost like the curse of Bobby at this point. Um, You know, he was forced out years ago. I know they had success under Jimbo Fisher before anybody jumps on me. But they had fleeting success. They had success under Jimbo uh, because they they fell into Jameis Winston. The team had a lot of off-the-field problems. Jimbo was always had his eye out the door looking at, at other kind of places. And now they haven't been able to fix this. And, you know, they continue to keep going outside of the organization. Uh, Willie Taggart was a guy, well, you know what, he's a Notre Dame guy. Yeah, not, I, mean, I mean, he's a Florida State guy. Well, not really. He's not really kind of. And they continue to try to become something that they really want to be. They want to be what they were in the 90s. Tim, they're not, okay? Their fans know they're not. Their players know they're not. The recruiting you know, participants, they all know that they're not. And sometimes it's better to kind of understand yourself before you could move on and try to become what you want to be. Florida State has to understand, we are a second-tier university right now when it comes to football. We are not Clemson. We are not uh, Ohio State. We are not Alabama. We are not there. And it sounds obvious to us, but around the the, the front, you know, the entire Florida State community, they still believe, you know what, we're one of the top five, top ten teams in the country. No, you're not. So I think it's time to reset things. Forget about the names. Forget about, uh, you know, going out there and, and really scheduling big time, oh, Notre Dame on opening day. No, 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 no. Take a step back. Play your ACC schedule. Play it well. Take you know the opponents that you want to take and handpick and get some winning seasons under your belt. And by the way, I would say every single thing that I just said about Florida State is not exclusive to Florida State. It's what Nebraska should be doing as well. Because you see Nebraska struggling in the same conversation, the same type of way, and Nebraska fans still sitting back going, no, we are one of those upper echelon teams. No, you're not. And if you really want to go there, Tim, Michigan's in that conversation, too. It's hard for these storied franchises, storied universities to get out of their own way and say, you know what? In order to take two steps forward, we got to take three steps back and and, and make it an intentional three steps back instead of scheduling Notre Dame on opening night. Look, they lost that game. They're 0-1. Did it have an, an effect on this Jacksonville State game? I'm sure it did. I, I really, truly believe it did. I'm not making excuses for them, but there's no way that Florida State, the way that they are right now, should be nationally televised by themselves opening weekend of college football against Notre Dame. Bad scheduling, bad coaching, just bad all around. The running joke from SEC fans was, welcome to the SEC Texas and Steve Sarkeesian, Arkansas, put the beat down on Texas today, Tommy. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously Texas, Oklahoma moving to the SEC in the future, but they were they were taking their their liberties on them today. 
Yeah, this Texas team is another another school that, you know, they have to get something going here. You can't live in mediocrity. And that's where Texas is. Texas isn't bad enough to go, oh, man, Texas is terrible. Uh, Texas is not good enough for us to really have conversation outside of, oh, man, they lost uh, on the road to an Arkansas team. And none of us are really that shocked. The line mm-hmm. today was seven. You know, it's on the road. It's the SEC. It's Arkansas. You know, it, it's they're a comparable team. Texans, the Texas fans don't want to hear that, but that's who you're a comparable team to right now. Any other thing, college, you want to touch on before we take the time out, Tom? I think overall, I think what we're what we need to do is we need to understand that a lot of these young kids are going to need a minute to kind of get into it. Um, Clemson didn't. Oh man, they didn't look great again today. And DJ, oh, he's terrible. No, no, no. Let these guys have a minute. Everything's going to change in about a month. I think we re- need to reevaluate in about a month. Yeah, Clemson gets their first win. We saw Heisman hopeful Sam Howell, three touchdowns for North Carolina as they beat up Georgia State. Spencer Rattler, I mentioned earlier in the show, five touchdowns as they crushed Western Carolina. So you, you get your cupcake games, Alabama as well, as we, we mentioned, Bryce Young, three touchdowns. You get your cupcake games, you get your upsets. Nice little mix, Tommy of uh, football for the first dual weekend of college and pro. And when we come back, we're going to jump into week one of the NFL. We're going to break down each game for you and let you know what you need to be looking for tomorrow as the NFL, first Sunday of the NFL, kicks off at 10 o'clock, our time Pacific, here in Las Vegas. 1 o'clock on your time, Tommy. You get to actually sleep in, man. If you wanted to. Well, no, I got a live show at 11 a.m. on oh, okay. uh, hashtag SGN Sports Garden Network. So we're going to be in uh, over 100 stations across the country. We're closing on that. That I think we're closing on about 130 stations across the country, to be honest with you. So we're going live tomorrow morning, 11 to 1 East Coast time. I, I don't even know why I said anything about sleeping and I should know better by now. So, you know, you always got something going on, my friend. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> All, right. All right, Mateo, we will take the time out. We will come back. We'll get into the NFL, and we'll give you an update on that Rebel game. On the other side of it, it's Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. And we're back here at Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Tim Ungles and Tom Barton. And we're going to get you ready for week one in the NFL. Tom, ASU with the ball on the one. Oh, they're down the four now. So fourth and fourth for ASU. Looking to run this clock out with about three minutes to go in the football game. With with just the start. And, and uh, a lot of people were, were messaging me and asking, Hey, you guys did your your predictions. You know, obviously we had some uh, scheduling quirks with with the Raiders preseason, and then some vacations and some work obligations. So we never got to do our predictions, Tom. So I think we should we should start that way and let everybody know who we think is going to end up where. Did you? Do we want to just do division winners into the final four? We don't. Uh, obviously, seven teams make the playoffs from each side. Uh yeah. If you want to do that, sure. You let me know uh, what you want to do, and I'm ready to okay. go. Let's do it. Then we'll do the we'll do our season predictions now, and then we'll move into week one of the NFL. So we'll just start in the NFC, Tom. In the NFC East, I have 
I have the Cowgirls winning the division, actually. Ah, well, they, that, that looks like a pretty good prediction as of right now. Not me. I got Washington. <laughs> um, I am pretty high on Washington this year. I think they have the best defense in the division. I think that they have uh, the best. Yeah, this is going to hurt, guys. The best running back in the division because I think mm-hmm. Antonio Gibson is, is not injured. I think they have one of the best wide receivers in McLaren. I got a little help from Samuel bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they are, they have the best coach in the division. So you give me the best coach, you give me the best defense, you give me potentially the best running game. Um, uh, you know, uh, with an upgrade at Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm taking Washington. I like Washington a lot too, uh, and Will Rivera did last year. You know, we talked about it all season. So I'm just unbelievable, just a man, unbelievable man. Let's just put it that way. And um, yeah, the Alex Smith story, and, and as well, I just you know when I look at Dallas, and I know this could be a broken record, all that talent, and they just never come through. And, and you know, I know Their a lot of it. Defense worries me, Tim. Their defense. Michael Parsons huh? was out of position, you know, a million times. Their defense is still a problem. Do I think they're going to score? Yeah, they're going to score. Their defense, though, man. I, I'm a boring guy. I like defense and unders. Yeah. Well, we saw the defense uh, in its finest Thursday night, didn't we? Another 30-point game for the Bucks, but that is the Bucks. But that doesn't mean that, you know, obviously we're not doing playoff teams, but I, th- I think it's safe for me to say I'd have Washington in there as well. But Okay, how about the North? So this, is, this one's interesting. Your team is here. Your most hated football athlete on the face of the earth is there. I'm going to go and say I like Minnesota. Healthy. It's not about Cousins necessarily for me. It's about the pieces around Cousins. And, you know, I think Green Bay is on the downward swing. And I think Chicago's got an arrow going up. I just don't think they're there yet. No, I don't think the Bears are there yet either. And I think because I don't expect to see Justin Fields until week four. I think they're going to be too far behind the eight ball there. Detroit's not even in the conversation, so it's Minnesota or Green Bay. I'm going Green Bay. Look, you go 13-3 and back-to-back years. I think they have enough during the regular season. And while everybody's jumping on this Aaron Rodgers and the last dance kind of thing, I think it could work against them. And I've been very adamant to say I think the last dance and all that could work against them. But, you know, their offensive line is a top-five offensive line in the league. Their defense is steadily improving. They might crack the top 10 this year. Their running game, Jones and Dylan are going to be a handful anytime uh, you know Mr. Ego gets out of the way and lets them run the ball. So I think that Green Bay has enough. In the South, look, it's Tampa Bay. Without question. And yeah. not, only, not only is it Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay will have the best record in football. And, Although, and no, no, I do like this Carolina team, but they're not quite there yet. Yeah, I think Carolina's an, an arrow as well. When I look at this division, Tampa's the only team that makes the playoffs as far as I'm concerned. So Yeah, me too. Yeah. And out west, interesting, right? You got you got Seattle's been the, the basically in the last ten years it's been been them and then Frisco had a run there at the Super Bowl and then bounced uh, downward last year. Arizona's trying to trying to do something with the youngsters they're bringing in. I like the Rams though. It's defense. You said defense, right? I, they still got a great defense, and really, Matt Stafford, is, that might be the difference. You know, he's got a he's got a chance to go to the playoffs now, Tom. He's got a chance to to move through the playoffs. He's got a defense behind him, and he's got two great receivers. I think it's easily to say the Rams win that division. Tim, I, I was totally anti Rams. 
You know, they lost Akers. I think their offensive line is a sieve. I really do. I think their offensive line is going to be bad this year. They lost Johnson on the back end, so their defense is not as good. But I got problems with Cliff Kingsbury, who can't win. I got problems with second-half Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and their philosophy. And I got problems because I don't know what the quarterback situation is in San Francisco. So I'm giving it to the Rams, but I've been the anti-Ram guy. I just still can't find a way that they don't win the division. Okay, NFC NFC Championship. Give me give me your two teams and who goes to the Super Bowl. I have Tampa Bay beating Washington. I think Washington has enough defense to carry them through. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be able to kind of lift this team, and I like their depth with Heineke. I like I like everything that Washington does, but Tampa is just a machine at this point. Um, barring a injury to to Tom Brady, which I actually say still think they could win some games without him, but barring an injury there, you bring back 22 starters from that kind of championship team in what I consider a weak NFC, there's no way Aaron Rodgers, the head case, is going to beat Brady in the postseason, especially away from Green Bay. I don't think that Stafford, and I just mentioned the problems, could go out there and do that. No one's going to be able to do it coming from the East. So I got Tampa Bay best record, Tampa Bay winning their division, Tampa Bay going back to the Super Bowl. I have Tampa knocking the Rams out in the NFC title game, going back to the Super Bowl as well. And you said it, barring an injury. And even at that, you said it perfectly. Even at that, they're still going to be able to win football games. But barring a season-ending injury, it's going to be hard to stop Tampa. We saw the, the weapons on display Thursday night, Tommy. And, and Evans Evans might not as well have even shown up. They didn't need him. It's going to be a lot of, I think... Yeah, he's going to have his go-to guys like Gronk, and it looks like Godwin. He's developed that that rapport with him, but there there can always be a star every every game, Tommy, and that includes the running backs as well. They got three good ones in Tampa. Yeah, it's just too much up against it, man. All right, AFC side. We'll start in the West, where the the Raiders reside, Tom. And no, it's not going to be the Raiders for me. Look, it's it's Pat Mahomes city. Uh, this one's easy. KC, not even close. It's easy for me, but there is that nostalgic uh, feeling that I have that I go, man, teams go, don't go back and win three division titles that easily in a row. I think that they do. I think that you add Mahomes with a new offensive line. I like the Chargers, Tim. Mm-hmm. And I, every year I've done the show with you, I seem to like the Chargers. And every year I go, I can't pick them because they're the Chargers. And something always happens to the Chargers. South, interesting, right? Tennessee, nice run through the playoffs. But you got, uh, I don't know what Houston, just a decrepit franchise right there going right now. Indianapolis, new quarterback in Wentz. And then you're Jacksonville. I know you love Jacksonville, but too early for Jacksonville. Give me Tennessee in the South. Tim, not too early for me. I'm doing this more as a, as a look. I'm taking the odds here. I don't like anything with Houston, okay? So forget about that. Tennessee's defense was ranked 24th overall last year, and they they got worse. They didn't even address it. I don't believe that Derrick Henry can keep up for the entire season. You've done a couple fantasy drafts with me. I I won't go near him. Mm -hmm. I worry about Henry. The defense is bad. Can't take Tennessee. And with the Colts, I got a lot of the same problems. The Colts are banged up. The Colts are injured. I'm taking Jacksonville and I'm taking Jacksonville to win this division with nine wins. I think nine and eight gets them there. Are there odds on to win the division, Jacksonville? It's not that bad. It's not that great of odds. It's actually six to one. It's easier uh, and a lot more profitable to take them over the five and a half wins, which I loaded up on. 
AFC North, look, <clears throat> you can say it's a homer pick all you want, and I look at it this way. Um, Cincinnati, not their time right now. New Burrow really is going to be his fir- if he's healthy, his first full year. So there's th- they've added young pieces. They're building. I get it. Cleveland, everybody loves Cleveland. I I think they have a great team. I think this is the the window that they have. All the the youngsters they brought in, Tommy. We we saw Mayfield, uh, you know, have a great regular season. The window is there, but until they do it in the playoffs, and they did it against Pittsburgh, right? But until they they get to that next step and can get past Kansas City, I think that's always a stumbling block. And I think so much is looking at Cleveland that it's Pittsburgh and Baltimore for me. And I think Pittsburgh, look, we know Tomlin's going to win you nine games. I think that's just the way it is. I think Baltimore can get there with ten. And I know that's without a running back, Tommy. I'm, I'm doing this... This was based on previous knowledge, so I'm not changing the way that that I look at this team. I just hope they can figure it out this year because if they can't, it's it's Pittsburgh or Cleveland. But I'll, I'll stay with my original pick, which was the Ravens. Tim, I'm going with the Browns. I said all off season. You know what? It's not really going to matter because it's going to be three teams over 500, and I I have both. Cleveland and Baltimore going to the playoffs. But I I kept giving the edge to Cleveland. Look, they're well coached. They run the ball. They have the best, the number one offensive line in the game. I think Garrett uh, now has a running mate there with Clowney. Even Clowney doesn't have to be great. It's just got to be good. I like them picking up Josh Johnson, who I just mentioned, left the Rams. I like everything about Cleveland. But I still was saying, hey, you know, it's still Cleveland. And it gave me pause. But right now, Tim, the Ravens are banged up. They are all sorts of banged up. Everyone's going to concentrate on the running backs. Losing Marcus Peters is massive. I think he's the, the 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 guy on defense. I think he's the vocal leader. He's the guy that makes that big play. And there is some chatter. I have spoken to a couple of NFL guys that are telling me this is the year that defenses figure out Lamar Jackson. I don't know how much I could buy into that, but it's enough for me to take Cleveland. Is, is Baker Mayfield self-destructive enough to keep Cleveland from from uh, advancing anywhere past the first round of the playoffs, though. I think Kevin Stefanski will make sure that he keeps his head screwed on tight, but eventually Baker's got to go out there and win games. And, and yeah, as you'll see in a minute, I don't have them going to the Super Bowl. You know, I have them winning, winning the division because I think a running game, great offensive line, and a good coach can do that. Um, barely edging out a beaten up just Baltimore team, but I don't have them going too far in the playoffs, Tim. Now, Ken, you speak, talk about beating up, and we'll go to Pittsburgh with Roethlisberger, obviously in the last years of his career, but you have the the addition of Najee Harris, which everybody loves at the running back position, and that's that's his ball for now, right? He's going to get those reps. But you have that, that receiver ten or trio there in, in Johnson and uh, uh, Smith-Schuster, and Claypool. Could Pittsburgh sneak through here, Tommy? Grab 10 wins and win the division. I think it's very possible. With the Steelers, you know, nobody's talking about the Steelers per se, and I think that plays into their hands. Tim, I'll tell you, I, I spoke to Josh Taylor from CBS Pittsburgh on, on the Sports Garden Network show, right? You guys could go check it out on, uh, on our podcast. It's Wagering Week, um, and you can go listen to the past interviews. I spoke to Josh Taylor. When I told him what the over-under for wins was, he said, Tommy, you know I'm a Pittsburgh guy, but whoa, that's low. Then I spoke to LeVon Kirkland. Remember LeVon Kirkland, middle linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers? I told him live on the air. I said, hey, LeVon, what about this? You know that the over-under set at eight and a half. 
And he said, what? I mean, the, the shockness of these guys. Now, look, they're Steelers guys. Um, but I do a lot of work in Pittsburgh, and I, I have that Pittsburgh connection. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. So I'm chalking him up to nine wins, maybe ten. Is that enough to get you into the playoffs? Is that enough? Maybe. Three big receivers, a good running back coming back, Big Ben seemingly healthy, their defense looks really good, and now they're fat and happy with Watt. Tim, I think Pittsburgh is being completely undersold. I just really have to say, you know, bad offensive line. I worry if Big Ben misses. He, he can miss a start or two, but what if he misses six or seven? Yeah. You go to Rudolph, right? And that's a problem. He's the backup. Yeah. By the way, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season, and that's including the Duck Hodges years, guys. He's never wow. had a losing season. The book said it where they are expecting him to have a losing season. I don't see it. I see I know that you have the the extra week this year, but nine and eight, it's a winning season, right? Yes, it is. Yep. You know, I, I like I like the Dolphins a lot, but look, this is Buffalo's division, and this is Josh Allen. Another year, we always every year I always talk about the progression, where you want to see your young quarterback progress from year to year. Well, it's time for Josh to take the next step. Tommy, they win the division, obviously. Yeah, I have the same thing. I like New England this year. I like Miami this year. They both have relatively easy schedules as well. But uh, look, Buffalo is just the, the machine. I have loved the way that this has grown up in front of our eyes. Go draft a quarterback, then go draft some defensive guys, then draft, and then you go out there, spend on an offensive line, then spend after some skill position players. I mean, they have built it to a point where they are ready to take that next step. And that next step, guys, is big, big and better things. I like the over for their win total on the year, and I like them to win this division relatively comfortably. Let's go to the fast forward to the AFC title game. We get the rematch. We get KC Buffalo. Tommy, it's easy for me to say the progression and give me Buffalo, but I'm KC. Let's go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, look, I'm taking the other way. I think it is the progression. I think Buffalo finally takes that next step up. I believe that this is a situation where the West is a little bit better than the East. And I think that Kansas City is going to have to go into Orchard Park to for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And I just know how that place gets crazy. They deserve it. And I think Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and company lead them to a Super Bowl. Well, you have Buffalo and you have Tampa. Give me, give me your winner. Well, Tim... The greatest winning quarterback in the history of the game also owns a very big distinction that he beats up on a team more than anybody else, and that's Tom Brady beating up on Buffalo. If you look through the history books, he has made a career just beating up on the Buffalo Bills. That's all he does is beat up on them. But, Tim, I just can't go with the cruelty anymore. I think Buffalo finally does it. They get their first Super Bowl ever. They go through their home stadium to get there, and they take down the nemesis of all NFL nemesises, the guy that has owned that franchise in that city more than any quarterback has ever owned a franchise in the city. They take down Tom Brady. Josh Allen lifts up that trophy. <laughs> and, and what can you get Buffalo at odds-wise to win that? Not great, actually. You're, you're not getting great odds. You're getting about 10 to 1 to 12 to 1, depending on where you're shopping. And does that mean that Josh Allen is the MVP of the league this year if he's taking his team to the Super Bowl, Tom? I had him last year. 
Okay, I had Buffalo making the playoffs last year at plus 350. I had Josh Allen to win the MVP. I was feeling great about that. Came up a little short. Not this year, though. When you look at the schedule and you look at just the absolute destruction that Tom Brady's going to put on this league, we spoke about it off the air. And I said, you know, everyone keeps saying, what, is he, what does he have to prove? Tom Brady wants to win an MVP at this year, at, at this stage in his career. He went out to Tampa. He was a conversation piece last year, and Aaron Rodgers still stole the MVP award. I think he would have been okay if Mahomes would have got it. I think he would have been okay if Josh Allen got it, but Rodgers did it? No, no, no. I'm putting one more MVP on my mantelpiece, and I think Tom Brady is the MVP, and you get that at about 12 to 1 odds as well, which I did. I'm just going to sound like a broken record then, Tom. Give me I had KC and I have Tampa in the rematch. And this time it swings back Mahomes' way, Tom, and Mahomes gets another his second ring. I know it's not it's a storybook for Tom Brady to win another one. I just think that it's KC's turn again and they add another to their mantle. And it's it's crazy to think about how good the AFC is because exactly Buffalo's ready. You could put you could put like two or three teams right in that spot, but I think it's still Casey's it's still Casey's side of the ball, Tom. And give me Casey to win it. Give me Mahomes to win another MVP as well. You know it. You can't doubt what Casey's doing, and I'm not going to doubt what you what you're saying about Casey. I just look at the the Chiefs and I go, look, we've seen this happen before, where it's just hard to climb the mountain once again and get to that mountaintop once again. I have no doubt that Mahomes will get them there, right? And I have no doubt that Andy Reid will get them there. But maybe Tyreek Hill doesn't have it fully invested to get them there. Maybe it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Maybe, you know, maybe it's Kenny Clark. Maybe there's some other guys on that team. And that's the problem. I think it's just so hard to reclimb the mountain three times in a row. And that's what you're asking the Chiefs to do. That was a major concern. I, I totally agree. I think it would be different mindset-wise if you were taking maybe the, the Golden State Warrior approach and that you're going for three in a row. This one, there's a little bit of a, the, that chip on the shoulder, though, right, Tom? They, they didn't get it done last year. Maybe they, maybe they were lucky in, in year one. Maybe that's the, the, uh, the opinion, and now you're staring at Tom Brady who did it to you again. I, I think that's maybe where the motivation comes. Now, if it's not Tampa there, it could be a completely different situation, but I, I just can't see anybody beating either Kansas City or Buffalo if it's not Tampa Bay. Yeah, and what a testament to the AFC. Outside of Tampa Bay, I think we can say that Kansas City, Buffalo, maybe Cleveland. You, you could put the other top three teams in there. Let's let's talk about uh, you know the depth of the AFC compared to the NFC. And the NFC is just weak. It is all AFC. It is all the ascending quarterbacks. Even when you're talking about the guy that I threw 100 bucks on today uh, in, in Trevor Lawrence to win the MVP. You got Justin Herbert out there. Yeah, I mean, the ascending quarterbacks, the ascending the, the conference, the ascending everything, all in the AFC. Meanwhile, you got old man Brady against old man Rodgers against old man Stafford in the NFC. <laughs> yep. yep. Maybe, maybe, we, maybe we look at the AFC versus the NFC. I think you can get a line on it already, right, Tom, to win the Super Bowl, AFC versus NFC? Yeah, but I don't want to be betting against Brady. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, all right, quick update. We'll take the top of the hour timeout. Number 21, Utah has – they have lost at BYU 26-17. Five minutes to go there in L.A. 
Stanford 42 to 20 over SC. So SC will also lose two teams there in the top 20. Will take losses. And final in Tempe, Arizona State 37, UNLV 10. Tom, so 27 points, no cover. Gutty gritty effort. There you go. Yep, they they hung around and kept it under the number. I'm, I'm calling. I'm calling what I heard in the Westgate Super Superbook this week. When I was entering us in our entry contest, I think you know he's a live dog. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. All right, hour two on the way. All NFL. We're gonna break down each game. Let you know who we like tomorrow, and we'll get that free pick from TomBartonSports.com. Over sixty percent last year on free plays on this show. So make sure you tuned in. Hour two on the way. He with Sports Fox Sports Radio. Back or we're back. Hour two. He wave sports. Fox Sports Radio, ninety eight nine FM, thirteen forty AM. It's Tim and Tom. We're over there on that Twitter at HW Sports at Tom Barton Sports. And Tom, here we go. Week one. We waiting for it. We had we had a little taste of it Thursday night. Just real quick, your thoughts. I, I, you you pretty much summed it up with what you think about Tampa and Dallas. But that was just exciting game to start the season there's no doubt about that yeah definitely it was exciting I thought that uh, Dallas's offense looked fantastic Dak Prescott but it's the same old mistakes same old problems um, uh, you know no one's beaten Brady in Tampa this year given the ball at the end 22 years we've been doing this given the ball at the end with any time you're gonna lose yeah and, and they left a minute too long I think on that clock and, and ultimately led to Dallas's defeat there so so here we go we'll give you the game we'll give you the line tommy give us the analysis philadelphia opens week one in atlanta to take on the falcons the falcons three and a half point favorites eagles a lot of changes in the offseason you know this is a really tough one for me because I, i don't like either team and i don't believe in either team this year um you know, Philadelphia, you know, everyone's looking at Jalen Hurts. Oh, well, you know what? He can do this. and Maybe he'll be that. And maybe he'll be that. I look at a guy with a completion problem. And that's, you know, what you look at with him. And people go, oh, you know, Lamar Jackson had a completion problem. And this guy, yeah, you know what? And so did Drew Locke. So, you know, for every great success, you have a guy sitting on the bench. I don't believe in Jalen Hurts. I think Miles Sanders has a case of the dropsies, which is a problem there. I don't believe that Devontae Smith can stay healthy. I don't believe in their weapons. Philadelphia, to me, is kind of a mess of a team. And now they have a guy coming in in Nick Sirianni that wants to come in and run it up and run it up and run it up and let's go fast, 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 fast. But he doesn't have the weapons to do that. Atlanta on the other side, yeah, I know they lost Julio Jones and Kyle Pitts is supposed to replace him. Can we calm down with Kyle Pitts is going to come in to replace, what, one of the top 15 all-time wide receivers? Let's stop with that. I also don't believe in 28-year-old Mike Davis being able to carry the rock and be okay. Now, For tomorrow, who do I believe in more? I think Philadelphia has a lot of problems, but I think they have a more complete team than Atlanta. With that being said, Atlanta's at home. Tim, this is a coin flip game to me. I wouldn't go anywhere near it. I was was automatically leaning towards the over in this game until I said, you know what? 
I don't know if I believe in either one of these offenses. Like it, it's it's kind of a fitting start to a game, uh, to a season with a game that I don't like either team. I think both of them have big time struggles this year. I think both of these teams are inside the top ten picking in the NFL draft. And you have the the situation with Hertz. Uh, I never sold on him. I still am not. And Matt Ryan, right, Tom? How long can Matt Ryan? keep this out i know he's going to be at home tomorrow that that's possibly an advantage and when you have a guy like ridley you might be able to put up some points so i'm gonna i'm gonna lean atlanta i don't like the number at all but i'm gonna lean atlanta you know and i'm okay with that i can't talk you off of that look if if philly goes out there tomorrow and looks good and hurts is is running all over the place and miles sanders looks good and goddard and Ertz, it wouldn't shock me and that's kind of what, when I look at these games like that, a game that I don't like the number, like you said, and I don't even really have a big lean towards. I go, would it would it shock me if any of these things happened? And nothing would shock me tomorrow in that game. I wouldn't be shocked if it was 17-14. I wouldn't be shocked if it was 45-42. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Agreed. We just talked about these two teams a little bit in depth, but we have a possible AFC title matchup in week one. The Steelers, Tom. Head to Buffalo to take on the Bills. And the Bills open five and a half, now up to six and a half. Speak again. Last year, the Bills won 26 to 15. <clears throat> and it was a game where you look at it and you go 26 to 15. It wasn't that close. But the final score was pretty close. I think that Buffalo is going to struggle early on here just because I do believe in the Pittsburgh defense. Um, at the end of the day, you have to be able to run the ball. I don't think either one of these teams are going to have a lot of success on the ground. So this goes to what are those those secondary things? I think both defenses are going to play well. I don't think either team is going to be able to run the ball very well. Who do I believe in more at this point in their career? Josh Allen or Big Ben? And I'll take Josh Allen. Now, I don't like laying nearly the touchdown here. And everyone's down on Pittsburgh, which is a concern. So I will lean Buffalo, but I'm not laying it. Yeah, this is another tough one to, to handicap. You said it. And, <clears throat> I, you know, you said that as far as the rushing attacks go, and you have basically Harris against Singletary and Moss to open up that, that field. You know, you have Diggs, of course. I'm interested in seeing how Pittsburgh uses not only the three receivers, Tommy, but they also have Ebron back. Freer move that they drafted. You know, there's weapons there for Big Ben. I want to see how Buffalo's defense can react. We always see it week one, right? Something's never the team's never fully in jail in week one, and if Buffalo's defense isn't there, Ben might be able to exploit it. And I think I think we'll get a higher scoring game. Obviously, we certainly can. You know, I think that both of these teams want to force the run, and I just look with that Pittsburgh offensive line. They're going to want to force the run. I just don't know if that's a good idea. And the same thing with Buffalo. All we've heard from Buffalo is, oh, you're going to watch Singletary this year. You're going to watch Moss. Oh, watch this. Well, when when guys, and they do this, when coaches start to go, you know what? We're going to force it. We're going to force it. We're going to force it. Sometimes it can be a detriment, Tim. Mm-hmm. Sam Darnold. you got to thank the schedule makers for this one, Tommy. Right? Darnold leaves the Jets, goes to Carolina. And guess what? Week one, you get the team you, you left. So Carolina, Jets. Zach Wilson debut. This one's Carolina and the Panthers a three and a hook, so three and a half over New York. Yeah, I saw this get up to as high as five and then come back down. 
I am really impressed with Zach Wilson. Let me just point that out. Very impressed. But there's a lot of revenge here. First of all, Sam Darnold wants the revenge. Robbie Anderson wants the revenge. And everybody's looking at only that. I'm a big Matt Rule fan. I like Carolina. I like that they're at home. I like their defense. I do like Christian McCaffrey coming back. I like Sam Darnold and Robbie. I like it all. So why am I not loading up on Carolina? Well, because I think Zach Wilson can create things. I do think Robert Sala is going to be a pretty good coach. And when you get a good coach and you get a quarterback that kind of creates things, the, the home field sort of isn't as powerful in Carolina as you think it should be. I expect Carolina to win this game, and they probably cover. But, Tim, there's some weird trepidation here that I'm having going, everyone loves Carolina. There's so much for them. Maybe they're a little too amped up. Yeah. Everybody loves Carolina. You said it. Darnold against his old team. Robbie Anderson against his old team. McCaffrey back from the uh, injured field season. All Jets, right, when you're looking at numbers, but – Correct. There's no reason why Carolina shouldn't win this game. I'm with you. I think they do win the game. I, th I think they probably cover the game as well. I, I'm really interested to see how McCaffrey, with an offseason of rest and, and rehabilitation, Tom, I want to see how he comes out in this. And I think it's important that with with Darnold there now to, to develop that chemistry with McCaffrey because he's really he's going to be his bailout, right? McCaffrey can catch the ball in the backfield. We know that. And he can get you the tough yards when you need them. To see that chemistry grow, I mean, we'll really be able to see how far Carolina can go this year. Yeah, I think Carolina is going to be one of those surprise teams, but it all sits on a quarterback that I'm not fully sold on. Do I think he's going to be fine? Yeah, I think Sam Darnold's going to be fine. Uh, but but what more than fine is he going to be? You know, this is a defense with Burns and Chin, and I'm big on this defense. I like what Matt Rule's doing down there. I'm not completely convinced on Sam Darnold quite yet. I like him but I'm not fully convinced. I asked you right after the draft, when we when we did our draft show, the next week I'd ask you, I said, you know, Tom, with, with Wilson, can he handle, can the, can the, can the Mormon kid from, from Utah handle the New York media? And I don't think they ever gave Sam Darnold a chance, right? I don't think, I think they saw that the kid coming from SC, coming out east, he's, He's got this this chip on his shoulder. He's he's going to make the Jets what they were, and they, I don't think he ever got a fair shake. And really, he didn't because he wasn't there very long. But I think they're giving. It seems like they're giving the media, at least from what I'm reading, they're giving Wilson a little more uh, room here to grow. And that that's obviously the smart thing because what you don't need is the Jets to get blown out in their first two weeks and then have to deal with that type of pressure. Timmy looks good. He looks uh, like he can handle it. The problem is this is he's got no running game. He's got no offensive line. He's got really nobody to throw the ball to. He's going to be out there on an island. He's going to be doing it alone. Uh, we've watched guys do that and have success throughout their career going, all right, I'm going to run around. I'm going to do all crazy. I'm just I'm, I'm going to kind of do this on my own. Sometimes it works. Sometimes they just have like a five interception day. So what is Wilson tomorrow? I'm not sure. This next one's going to be fun. I know you're going to be watching this one, Tom. Trevor Lawrence's NFL debut. It'll be on the road in Houston. Not against Deshaun Watson. He's got enough problems as it is. So Tyrod Taylor will be the quarterback for the Texans with a broken down David Johnson, with a, an old Brandon Cooks, right? And you look at Jacksonville, the the uh, the upstart team. They're, they're, they're doing it the right way with Urban Meyer. Is, that's the motto coming in to this year. Jacksonville, field goal favorite on the road. Look, I like the Jags, okay? Um, I think that Trevor Lawrence is everything that we think that he is. 
I love his array of weapons. Okay, his his array of weapons are fantastic. I I like Jones. I like Lavisca Chenault. I like DJ Chark. I like James Robinson. I like it all. Okay, here's the problem. I have no idea what to think about Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. And I know that the defense won't be great, but now look, they got uh, Shaq Griffin. I, I think they're going to be a little bit improved, but it, it's Urban Meyer. If I had any other coach in the league, literally any other coach in the league, I would go, you know what? I think Lawrence destroys them tomorrow. I don't know what I have in Urban Meyer. This is a guy that is very erratic. He doesn't have an NFL resume to go on. We heard him stupidly not name Trevor Lawrence the, the number one. And I don't want to hear people talking. You know, I said that on the air on Sports Garden Network. And I said, you know, uh, well, Trevor Lawrence not named number one. And people are like, oh, come on. You know, he's got to earn his way. No, 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 no. That means that Gardner Minshew, is now, who is now not playing for your team, was taking first team reps, very valuable first team reps. So I don't believe in Urban Meyer, but I fully believe in the rest of this offense. And I think they did just outscore them. What I will say tomorrow is this, is that you have two rookie coaches and you have Tyrod Taylor starting for Houston. Before somebody throws Tyrod Taylor on the scrap heap, he beat out Justin Herbert for the job last year. Now, <laughs> you know, that's no small feat. I don't care how much you, you could say it wasn't a good situation and it shouldn't have happened. Well, it did happen. He literally beat out Justin Herbert. So he's got some talent. I like Jacksonville tomorrow. I think they score a bunch. I think Trevor Lawrence looks really good in his NFL debut. How can he not against Houston? I do think they get the win. I do think they get the cover. But, Tim, there's enough of the Urban Meyer worries me conversation here to make me pause a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a – look, I don't know what to expect from Houston. You're right. Taylor's not uh, some decrepit old man. He's, he's still relatively young when you think about it. And if it wasn't for idiot staff member on the Charger sideline – puncturing a lot but I don't know what they were doing but you know who knows what would have happened last year with him at the start as a starting quarterback but here we are I think for Houston right Tom is that even with the distraction of the Deshaun Watson situation is that everybody's so down on them they have nothing to lose going out there and, and that's the problem if they jump out fast against a younger Jag team how will Jacksonville respond to that number one and you just said it how will Urban Meyer respond to being down two touchdowns quickly and let's also remember that they have three running backs that have all had success in this league. Johnson, Ingram, and Lindsey all had success in this league. So they might be able to say, you know what, we're going to frustrate the kid. We're going to keep him on the sidelines. We're going to limit his possessions. I mean, there's a lot of head games that could go on that could kind of deter this. Yeah. And here's the thing, and this stands for all rookie quarterbacks, right, especially one that played at Clemson, though. He's going to get hit a lot more than he did in college, Tom. Well, that's the thing that I I'm, I can't wait to watch from him tomorrow is that I think he's going to be real good on his feet, Tim. I mm-hmm. think he's going to score, you know, six, seven, eight, nine touchdowns this year. I really do. And when you start to look at what kind of player he is, I think that's going to be that added bonus. That's going to be that Josh Allen added bonus type. Arizona on the road, open up at Tennessee in week one. Henry, uh, look. I think if if you you're already going to start the 2,000 yard train with Henry tomorrow, if they just feed him, they should win this game. They're only a field goal favorite, Tommy. I know Arizona and Murray. Here we go with the progression again. Murray's another one of those guys. How does he progress in his next year? I know that Arizona did struggle on the road last year, but he has. Look, Hopkins is there, right? He's got the weapons. 
Uh, running back situation, I'm not I'm not so sold on Evans like everybody else's, but I know James Conner is there and waiting. This is a tougher one for me, but I like Tennessee at home. I, I just don't know what to expect from Arizona, especially on the road. You know, and for me, I think early on in the season, you got to like Tennessee in this offense, but it is very well played up. Again, let's go to the coaching. My problem here is that Cliff Kingsbury doesn't know how to win. I don't want to hear it, guys. I don't want to hear, you know, oh, well, he's got the No, 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 no. He's got everything in place to win, and he's never won anywhere. So I can't just assume that he's going to go out there and start winning, right? I mean, to me, this is a guy that you look at and you say, you know, I, I need to see it before it starts to happen. With that said, I think Arizona is a more complete team. I think they have a much better defense than Tennessee. Now, I don't think either one of them has a good defense, but they have a better defense than that. So Henry's going to get his yards. I think Brown, Tannehill, and, and Julio all look good. But can they stop Murray? Can they stop stop this offense? I mean, you know, A.J. Green is even coming back, you know, looking healthy. I think that if you need that big stop, I'd rather have Arizona out there against Tennessee. But Tennessee has the better coach, and they're at home. Coin flip game to me, Tim. You said the coaching. Kingsbury, Rabel, right? It's uh, two, two coaches. And Clint, here's the thing. Rabel at least has playoff success. Kingsbury known for, for having this, these explosive offenses, but sometimes I, I'm, his play calling really befuddles me, and I think that's always going to be an Achilles heel for the Cardinals. And, and Kyler Murray is that the coach running the show, maybe sometimes he thinks more like the quarterback he was than the head coach he should be. And that's the thing with Kingsbury. Go back to his college career, right? I mean, that's that. when has he ever had success, Tim? He hasn't. You know, he's, he's had personal success. He's had, um, you know, quarterback success. He's never had team success and consistent winning. Never. And that's why he never was successful in the NFL, whereas Mike Vapril was, and he brings that success with him to the sidelines. And I'm not saying that Kingsbury can't be a good head coach. I'm just saying if we're looking at advantages, you said it. You like the better coach is, is in Tennessee, and I agree with you. And I think that Henry, uh, veteran quarterback, and explosive players like Brown get them the win. I, I like the I like Tennessee laying the points on this one for sure. L.A. Uh, here's one. I think we both like this one a lot too. L.A.'s in Washington, so they're going all the way across back east, three thousand miles to open it up against the Skins. This opened originally, Tommy, two L.A. two on the road. It swung the other way. It's one or two in a lot of places now for Washington. Look, I like I like that everyone loves L.A., okay, because they deserve it. I like them. They're exciting. This is one of the big handicapping traps, though, isn't it? People loading up on a team because they like them, and they're fun, and they're exciting. they got a good quarterback. Oh, this is going to be great. And they're forgetting. You know what? Rookie head coach going across the country taking on Ron Rivera. And, oh, by the way, a top-five defense. And, oh, by the way, Justin Herbert's learning his third offense in three years. So I know that people get kind of enamored with the big names and the Ecklers and the Herberts and the Allens and the this. And Washington doesn't have it. But what Washington has is home field advantage. Washington has the experienced and very successful coach. And Washington has the experienced quarterback and the better defense. I don't understand why all the love is coming in on the Chargers other than guys just going, being enamored with the idea of the Chargers. And this wasn't it's almost like a Belichick situation, right, in that it's not like Ron Vera didn't know who they were playing for the last three months. So game planning, 
he spent a lot of time game planning for Herbert. There's there's a year of film now on him, and, and the ways to beat him. Whereas you look at the other side of it, right? You, you say, it's easy to say LA is going to try to stop Gibson, but you have Loren there. You have you have other weapons, and I think you said it. I don't know when that supposed trend sets in with teams traveling. I think it's a little bit later on in the season, Tom. But still, it, to open it up that way, I know everybody's hyped up for the season. Don't think don't think Washington is not ready. They're still looking at a run to the playoffs, Tom, and a situation where that nobody believed in them. And I think they're they're being looked at it that way again. I did it. I did it at the beginning of the hour, right? I like Dallas in the division. I think everybody's saying that, and that plays into Washington's hands. Yeah, and the fact that again, you you have to look at the idea that teams are after you know a year of of sporadic crowds and you know what I mean, half filled stadiums and whatnot. Justin Herbert's got to learn a new offense, brand new head coach, go across the country and take on Washington and Ron Rivera. And that defense in that crowd, I'm sorry, I still think home field advantage means something. Interesting one here, Seattle at Indianapolis. This one swung as well since it opened. It originally was the Colts 2 at home. It is now, Tom, Seattle 3 on the road. Break this one down for us. Well, this is uh, all about who's the starting quarterback, what can Carson Wentz do, and how healthy is Carson Wentz. You know, you look at Seattle, and every single year, early in the year, people love Seattle. And for good reason. Look, Russell Wilson is, is one of the best out there. I like Carson, Metcalf, Lockett. I like it all. Did Seattle improve their defense, Tim, over the offseason? No, no, they didn't. They actually lost key pieces. K.J. Wright was playing in, in Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. They lost some key pieces. Jadamian Clowney was what they needed because, oh, we need a pass rush. They still can't get to the quarterback. Now, it's always difficult to bet against Russell Wilson because he can single-handedly take over a game, especially early in the year, at any given time, and make you look foolish. But if you're looking at straight numbers here, you're looking at the Seattle and Indy offenses shouldn't be that completely off. Taylor's better than Carson. I know, obviously, Wilson is better than Wentz, but the offensive line is in the Colts' favor. I mean, Seattle is a slightly better offense, but the defenses are vastly different. Seattle probably has a top five worst defense, and Indy has a top six, seven best defense. That might be the difference make here. Again, you're also talking about a team at home. There's a lot of moving parts in Indy, which makes me hard to to take this home underdog, which I usually love. Uh, By the way, that's a big fallacy. Home underdogs only hit about 54%. So it's tough for me to take a home underdog here, Tim because there's so many moving parts with is Wentz fully healthy? Is Nelson coming back fully healthy? You know, what's the situation with the wide receivers? But I see everybody loading up on Seattle and this line started at two. It's all the way up to three. Everyone loves Seattle. And I'm just cautioning you guys. Look, Russell Wilson doesn't play both ways. That defense for Seattle is going to be bad this year. Yeah, usually when you look at the Colts getting a field goal at home, I, I would have, I would tend to shade Indianapolis, whether it was the Andrew Luck years, even even the Phillip Rivers season, right, last year, Tommy. Very good on their home field with, with Rivers, but you said it. It's it's the Wentz question mark, and, and not that we don't know that the ability's there. It's just where does it come out? And the coaching, you know, I like Frank Reich as a coach. I do. I don't like Pete Carroll as a coach. I never have. I just think he's very lucky. So uh, it's a toss-up for me as well. I think I'm getting a field goal. i got to take the points at home. Yeah, I mean, if you're forcing me there, I'll take it. But I'm staying away from the game uh, on that end, that's for sure. 
Minnesota on the road to open the season in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow, here we go. Uh, rookie year part two, we'll put, call it that as an injury put him out early. And, you know, when I look at Cincinnati and all the young pieces that they do, they do have there, I, I like the direction. The question I first ask you is, was the line addressed enough this year to keep him, uh, Joe, standing up and in these games? That's the first thing we said last year when the season started was, He's going to get pounded, and how long can he last? Well, you know, knock on wood, that doesn't happen again to him because we want to see him have a successful career, but that's exactly what happened, Tommy. He was knocked out for the year, and you look at Minnesota, um, you know, Cook Cook is Cook. If he's healthy, they're, they're good. Jefferson had a great rookie season. I like the pieces in Minneapolis, and I think that Cousins is just he's just steady. You know, he's, he's a guy that's going to be able to, to give you a full season's worth and – they were my pick to win the division. I like them tomorrow. I, I think Cincinnati's, it, there's a lot of question marks. Let's just put it this way. And it's week one. I'm not even sure what the home field advantage would be for Cincinnati right now, Tommy, because they're so used to not being that team anymore. Well, somebody wrote me on Twitter. It's, it's at Tom Barton Sports over by, on Twitter, by the way. And they said, man, at, when uh, we had this NFL draft, they said, I haven't seen you that mad about somebody not selecting an offensive lineman since Quentin Nelson fell in the draft. With, with Penny Sewell falling in the draft, and it was remarkable to me. Jamar Chase is having problems catching the football. He's admitted he, it's different than catching the college ball. Oh, wow, Re- revelation. Um, Penny Sewell is a guy they needed to go get. I've gotten reports out of Cincinnati, and I could verify these, that Joe Burrow was lifting his leg early in camp. And, and why? Lifting his leg when he's getting a little pressure. Now, he's getting pressure from guys that are not allowed to hit him. But you know when you cringe up when you think someone's going to hit you? That's what he was doing. He was lifting his leg. He doesn't have confidence in this offensive line. He does not at all. Now, could he have gotten a little bit more confidence between that point and, a, what, five weeks later? Yeah, of course he could have. But that's all of a sudden without these guys sitting in your face. And Minnesota, while I don't love their defense, their defensive line is stout. And they have some real good players on that defensive line. This is going to be, for Minnesota, a very simple game plan. Run it all day with Cook play really good and get to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has enough that he can heave it up there and he might be that guy to just take this team on his back. But Cincinnati's defense worries me. Cincinnati can't stop Dalvin Cook. And, and, you know, I don't know if I believe in Joe Mixon or this receiving core outside of Tyler Boyd. You know, Mm -hmm. there's still... Higgins is still a question mark and, and Jamar Chase is now a question mark. They don't have tight ends. So, there's a lot of questions. I lean Minnesota here, Tim. Okay. But again, once again, I lean Minnesota, but Minnesota's defensive secondary worries me. And that's the one thing Joe Burrow could exploit. The one thing that Burrow can completely take advantage of is Minnesota's biggest Achilles heel. I agree. I agree. I think if Minnesota sticks to the game plan, they'll win the football game. The question marks are that because Cincinnati has the live, the live youth there, if and it's a big if, right? Boyd's your number one now. If Can he be the number one? Can Higgins move up into the two slot? You have Chase and all his, you said, fumble, uh, fumble, fumbleitis hands problems right now. Mixon was never, never the guy for me. He's never done anything as far as I was concerned. So Minnesota should win. We'll see. I, I like him. I think you're shading that way as well. We'll give you one more day game. We'll take the break and go back to the afternoon matchups. Frisco, the 49ers in Detroit. Tom, Jimmy G will start for the Niners. 
eight-point favorites against the lowly, now led by Jared Goff, Lions. I don't like Jared Goff. I don't like Campbell as the coach. I don't like Swift as a running back. I don't like the offensive line uh, outside of Sewell, who's playing out of position. I don't like the defense. I don't like anything about Detroit. And I kind of like everything about San Francisco. I, I do like Jimmy G. I like the tight end. I like the running back idea. Um, I like their defense coming back. Here's the thing. I don't like laying more than a touchdown in week one on the road. And I know that it's the Lions. I get it. And they're lowly and they're terrible. And I picked them in my survivor pool. Don't worry, right? And it's all it's all go out there and let's just bash on them. I still don't like giving more than a touchdown. I thought Tampa Bay was going to have their way with Dallas. I didn't take the game because I don't like giving more than a touchdown uh, in the NFL in week one. And forget about giving it on the road. I just don't like it, Tim. I'm staying away from this game. It's San Francisco or nothing, but I'm staying away and I'll take nothing. Does the situation in, in the backfield worry with, with the Niners? If you're a Niners fan, is it is it Mostert? Is it Sermon? You know, last year, obviously, they had revolving door there with the injuries. It could be. It, yeah. yeah, that doesn't worry me as much as the secondary. The secondary is totally revamped, and while Fred Warner's fantastic and Bosa's back and, oh, that's great, notice how I didn't say anything about cornerbacks. Notice how I didn't say anything about safeties. You know, I think they're going to get their running game and their rotation together perfectly fine. But Shanahan just doesn't have the players in the back of that defense. If you get a guy that can pass the ball, and Jared Goff isn't that guy, but if you get a guy that can pass the ball, they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle against the Matthew Staffords of the world. They're going to struggle against the Russell Wilsons of the world because that secondary just is not very good. So you're praying that Nick Bosa gets to the quarterback. How, you know, we have friends that are Lions fans, obviously, too. Two in, in, in uh, Brian Feldman and Chris Wynn are both Lions fans. And what was the over under four this year? Four and a half, I believe. Yes. Do they get four? No. Yeah. No. I, I I can't imagine that they do. Look, I don't believe in the head coach, you know, and I don't believe in the quarterback. It's obvious they have a bad defense. Where are they getting these surprise wins? You know, who? I, I looked at their schedule. I don't think they're going to be favored in any game this year. I mean, that's yeah. a hard thing to say. Um, even when Jacksonville was at its worst, you could say, okay, they're going to be favored maybe one game here or there. Detroit would have to have a remarkable season to get to five or six wins. And the number said five, Tim, which means you got to get to six. They're not getting to six wins. The good thing is the Detroit Lions, yeah, you know what? I was going to say you're on the clock, but you're not because Houston will have a worse record than you. All right, let's take the final timeout. When we come back, we'll go through the afternoon games, get you ready for week one, including that free pick from Tom Barton Sports. Heat Wave Sports, Saturday night, Fox Sports Radio. Going to move into the afternoon games. For tomorrow, week one of the NFL. Tim Ungles beat Tom Barton. It's Heat Wave Sports. Make sure you tune in tomorrow night at 10 o'clock for your Super Sunday Night Edition as we will recap week one of the NFL and get you ready for Monday Night Football, Baltimore, and your Las Vegas Raiders over at Allegiant Stadium. But we got to get to Sunday first, Tom. And, and usually in years past, when you look at an afternoon slate, you get the, the feature game and then a couple games that you could. Do, you know, you get the feature game, that's what everybody's watching, and then they have a couple other games going on. Well, tomorrow in week one, we actually have a few games that are, are worthwhile. We'll start with this one, 
which originally would have been in the Superdome in New Orleans, but instead because of the weather issues there. This one will be being played on the Jaguar home field in Jacksonville. It's Green Bay. It's New Orleans. Uh, instead, instead of turf, you're going to get grass here. Keep that in mind. And the Packers, a three-and-a-half-point favorite over New Orleans, the first game without Drew Brees, Tom. Yeah, without Drew Brees and people are kind of brushing over it like it's no big deal. Like, like oh, well, James Winston is going to be just fine. You know, I don't see it like that. I think that New Orleans is going to be down for a pretty down year this year. No Michael Thomas, uh, no Emmanuel Sanders, no backup wide receivers. You know, everyone's like, look at this, this kid Callaway. Yeah, that, that's that's all fine and dandy, but there's a lot of wholesale changes there, including James Winston, obviously. Um, I still don't think their defense is as good either. The Saints, they don't get out of the gates too well. They are not a good week one team at all. And you look at the numbers, they're extraordinarily bad, actually, under Sean Payton. So just something to keep in mind. Now, I do think that the change of, of venue actually helps the Saints. Because Aaron Rodgers and the guys, look, they're going to be chewing the air, right? And Jacksonville, we know how thick that air is. I know they play in the Dome, but they're used to it in New Orleans at least. Now you're going to play outside in Jacksonville. I think the air, I think the Florida, by the way, uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't play well down in Florida. Doesn't I think he's only been down there seven or eight times in his career, but he doesn't play well down there. I think that'll help. But at the end of the day, the Packers are the better team. Now, again, you can buy me and, and tell me all you want about how this is going to be a seamless transition from one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of quarterbacks. And no one's talking about it. I just don't think that you can just turn it off. I don't think that the leadership is being accounted for as much. I think the Saints are going to suffer because Drew Brees meant a lot more to the team than just to the X's and O's on the team. When you look at the total, you know, we don't talk a lot about totals in this game or on this show as much as we do sides. But is, isn't this, is this total indicative of a game that being played indoors, though? Yeah, it definitely is. And I think when you start to say, oh, everyone just expects Winston to throw it all over the field. I just don't see it like that, Tim. I still think that this is the Saints that want to run the ball. I still think this is the Saints that want to do slant patterns. I just don't think all of a sudden we're going to get a brand new philosophy where the Saints are, are going, all right, uh, let's, let's take our Jameis Winston against their Aaron Rodgers and see if we win. Yeah. I like Green Bay tomorrow as well. Um could we get could we get a shootout of high scoring affair? We could, right? Possible Winston just goes crazy and, and this is an exciting football game. I just think there's too many weapons for Green Bay. They they should at least get enough here to cover the number time. Yeah, I think so as well. I, I look, I don't like Green Bay, but when I see a spot, this is it. Denver at New, at the Giants, so we get a this is this is a good one, Tom. We get a seven o'clock or a four o'clock start in New York for, for the Broncos coming in. This opened originally Giants 1. Now it's up to Broncos minus 3. Your take on the Giants this year, and, and what about Denver? Teddy Bridgewater is going to get the nod. Yeah, look, I, I think Teddy Bridgewater, if he was an underdog, I'd be all over him, right? But mm -hmm. I, I look at this Denver team and I go, they are the one team in the NFL you could clearly say, give them a quarterback and this could be a Super Bowl team. I really like their coach. I really like their defense. I like that they get after it. Their offensive line is very good. I like their two-headed running attack. I like Judy. I like Sutton. I like Noah Fant. I just don't buy into Teddy Bridgewater. The Giants on the other side, well, they're playing three games in 14 days with a banged-up running back. 
that is 10 and a half months or uh, their the recovery time is 10 and a half months. He's back a little under 12. I don't think they're going to push Saquon Barkley as much as they should. Kenny Galladay has been banged up all camp. So this is a team that's banged up, have problems. Uh, they are, again, another well-coached team. I just don't think they have the guns. I lean Denver ever so slightly here just because they're more talented. But if I thought that Kenny Galladay was 100%, and I believe that Saquon Barkley was going to touch the ball 20 times, I'd probably lean the Giants. Is Daniel Jones the guy, though? No, I don't think he was the guy when they drafted him, and I don't think he's the guy now. But I don't think he's getting a fair evaluation either mm-hmm. because guys are just dropping the ball all over the place. I mean, if you watch the Giants preseason games, it was pathetic out there with the amount of balls were, were literally just hitting two guys' hands and just dropping to the turf. I don't think Daniel Jones is getting a fair shake, but I also don't think he's the guy. I always ask you before the baseball season, give me the give me the weather with the, with the fans in New York with the Mets and the Yankees. So we'll, we'll do it in the football side of it. Obviously, nobody expects the Jets to go anywhere this year. Nobody's picking the Giants to go every, anywhere this year. Is New York just up in arms with their football teams right now, Tom? You know, it's kind of funny because Jet fans are just so relegated to, ah, they're the Jets. But there is some glimmer of hope, and they all want to kind of see Wilson. So they're going, okay, it's going to be a terrible year, but we got this Wilson kid. I want to see what he's like. I want to see what it is. And for Jet fans, I'm starting to see almost a glimmer of hope because you're in a division where you're going, okay, we got Wilson. You guys got Mac Jones. We like Wilson. You got Wilson. We, we, you know, we have Wilson. You have Tua. We kind of like Wilson. We think we're going to be okay. We're building something. And I think bringing on Robert Sala and Joe Judge really made the fan bases go, all right, look, we're not going to have good years this year, but we like what we're doing. So I think both fan bases both recognize they're not playoff teams this year, but both are recognizing, you know what, with the right people in place, which we start to, we're starting to think we have, uh, we can do something in the next year or two. The Mac Jones era starts tomorrow, Tom, in Foxborough, home game against the Miami Dolphins. So Tua, year two, Mac Jones, year one. Bill Belichick obviously liked what he saw, enough of what he saw from Mac Jones to tell Cam Newton to take a hike. Here we go. It's, it's the Mac Jones era. This is what I wanted to see, though. Yeah, look, I want to see Mac Jones as well. and I, I don't buy into the whole, I'm not here from, if you're Cam Newton, I'm not here because I was a distraction. No, you're not. You're not there because they don't want to pay a, a quarterback like you as a backup. He's not a good backup. Mac Jones wins the job, but this is more about getting back into the Bill Belichick philosophy. Two tight ends should be very, very big players here. Jacoby Myers, can he take over that Wes Welker, Julian Edelman, you know, kind of uh, slot receiver type of Danny Amendola guy? Can he be that? Can Damian Harris be the main running back? There's a lot of question marks here. Now, the defense should be fine. It's Belichick running it. Just the sheer matter that they came back from COVID, they all took off from COVID last year, they should be fine. They should be good. Um, But there's a lot of question marks on offense. For the Miami Dolphins, look, they are a well-coached team, right? Flores is very well-coached. You look at you look at this team and you go, defense, I got no worries. They're going to get after the quarterback. They're going to play fundamentally sound. They have a really good cornerback who's now seemingly happy and uh, Xavier Howard. I like Miami on defense. I think their defense is going to be stout. How about their offense? Well, they got some weapons now. They went out, they got Fuller, they got Waddle. I like Devontae Parker. They got some weapons. But can this team run the ball and is Tua the man? I mean, that's what they're asking there. If Tua was 
anything like he was supposed to be coming out of college. This is not only a playoff team. This is a viable AFC contender and a stacked AFC. But I don't necessarily believe in their running game. And I don't fully believe in Tua. Look, I'm on the pro Tua side. I think he could still be a franchise quarterback. But I'm still not there with him. He was struggling with the playbook early on last year. He didn't look very good coming back from an injury. I need to see it, Tim. So I'm going to lean Miami because I like the defense. But there are just a ton of question marks on both of these offensive sides. By the way, last year they played twice, 34-34. Now, Flores is a Belichick disciple, correct? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, you have to lean Belichick with the coaching advantage, of course, but it's not that huge of a leap. I I like, if this game were played, obviously, Tom, in November, December, we like New England with the weather situation. With Miami getting points, I, I tend to shade Miami as well because I think they're just, at this point, as far as what I've seen, they're the better team because you get the unknown with Mac Jones. Just like you're going to get the unknown with Lawrence. You're going to get the unknown with Wilson. The same applies here. You get the unknown. Tua, we got enough to know what he's capable of doing. Uh, Belichick, though, he's, 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 he's Brady as a coach, right? You, just, you never want to be on the other side of that guy. So I'm going to stay off of it. But, but I could see Miami winning this football game. Yeah, I do. I, look. It's in New England, and they've won. Uh, you know, they've flipped back and forth the last seven games, back and forth. But they've only won once there in about a decade, and they don't win up in New England. But you're right. Look, looking at the points, it's a little bit tough not to take Miami. And the feature game, they played a good one last year. They played a good one the year before, actually, too. Cleveland will open Week One of the NFL season in Kansas City, Tommy, to take on the AFC champion, KC Chiefs. Opened at six, kind of stayed around there. I see five and a half, so I see sixes. This should be a fun one to watch tomorrow. Tim, I want to get your opinion on this game because, you know, you seemed like you were down on Cleveland, but I don't think it was that, that you were down on Cleveland, just you were up on kind of your team. Talk to me about this game because I want to hear your opinion on, because you're going to get accused of being too down on Cleveland. I want, I want to hear what your thoughts are on this game. I'm not going to get accused of washing KC balls. Is that is that what it's going to come down to? You know, when you look I, I, at it's possible. <laughs> Week one, team lost. The last time we saw the Chiefs, Tom, they uh, Tom Brady picked them apart, put thirty on them. And I know how you say. A lot of people will say, "Well, it's a different season, right? Things change." You get. It's not that Kansas City's opening with Detroit in Week One. They're playing a very good team in Cleveland. We've talked about Andy Reid's uh, preparedness over the years, just like we talk about Belichick, and we always talk about these coaches coming off buys. Well, this is a hell of a buy, right, for Andy Reid. Again, he's known who he's had to play for the last three months. He knows Baker Mayfield. He knows the weapons that Kansas City has. He knows they're going to run the ball tomorrow. I always look at it as what we saw last year in that game when Casey jumped out to, I think it was a 16, 17-point lead early, and then hung on to win the game. I don't... Look, I drafted Cleveland in one of my fantasy leagues. I think the defense has been built brick by brick for the past few years. I really like it a lot. I just don't know when you go up against Kansas City, and yeah, the Raiders got lucky last year, Tom. They beat them, right? They didn't lose too many. I think, what did they lose? Two? They lost two games last year? It's, it's a situation that until I see that offense stopped, I'm going to always side with them. And I think 
the points worry me a little bit because I think we'll get a closer game because Cleveland can score just like that as well. They, we've seen them build that offense up over the years. I just, you know, for me it's more of can you stop Kansas City? And I think there's just, with it being week one, nobody's looking ahead to anything other than week one. The last time that they played, they walked off the field dejected. Mahomes, he's the best, right? He's the best. He wants an MVP. That's the point, the signs I'm pointing at. It's, it's not an indictment of Cleveland at all. I think Cleveland's a 10-win team probably. It's just I think Kansas City's a 13-win team, and they get the win tomorrow. Tim, does Tyreek Hill being injured uh, a lot of this offseason from, from what everyone's talking about, does that sway your opinion at all? Are you concerned about Tyreek? No, I think it's I think it's uh, for me personally. I think it's a smokescreen. I think he's fine. I think he's ready to go. And I mean, if somebody knows different, please let me know because I, 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 I read it. I heard it. We'll see tomorrow. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely see. The thing about that is Tyreek changes the game dramatically, so much like a Stephon Diggs would, obviously in Buffalo. There's enough weapons there in Kansas City, Tom, to win this football game. The number scares me a little bit. Yes. But we're going straight sides and wins and losses. I think Kansas City has enough to do it. And, I, I you know, I want to see Edwards a little more involved in offense this year in Kansas City, too. I know he was a fringe first-round pick two years ago. He had a good rookie season, but he kind of disappeared in the second half. I'd like to see Reed implement a little more Edwards into the mix here and give them another dynamic as well. Yeah, that that's something that would worry me is that if Tyreek is not 100%, <clears throat> yeah, you could do a lot of damage with Kelsey, but you need somebody else to step up. I think Kansas City wins tomorrow. I do get they, they, they you know get out quickly, out to a good start, which takes away the running game, which makes makes Baker Mayfield try to kind of out and you know kind of beat you. But I see a lot of reasons to like Cleveland tomorrow to keep this thing close. Is it easy to say, Tom, that Baker plays better when they're down because he has the ability to just go all out rather than a close game. That's when the pressure starts. I also think that the coach is trying to pick his spots and saying like, you know, okay, we're going to run it, run it, run it, run it, run it. Oh, by the way, Baker, now you got to go make a third and 12. (laughs) And it just gets you out of the rhythm. Baker, look, like him or not, he's a gunslinger. That's what he wants to do. He wants to throw it, you know, 40, 50 times a game. He wants to, and, and in this offense, he doesn't do it, which it could corral him, but then you can't ask him to all of a sudden step up. One game left. The the NBC Nighter, or I don't, is it on NBC still, Tom? I don't even know where the night game is anymore. But it involves your team in the Chicago Bears. They're out west. They're out here. They're playing L.A. The Rams, brand new stadium there as well for the Rams. And your Bears with... The quarterback, the quarterback situation, right? You say Fields week four, so we're gonna get Dalton plus eight now. This game went from six to eight. Tom, the, the Bears eight point dog. Tim, uh, you know it's a funny kind of ha ha ha. Andy Dalton is starting, but yeah, it's a good thing he's starting in week one because Justin Fields on the road, prime time against the Rams would be a, a disaster. So let Andy Dalton go out there and do something. Guess what? I think Andy Dalton's going to be okay. He's got some weapons. Montgomery was a lot better than people thought he was last year. You look at Allen Robinson and Mooney. He's got some weapons, and this defense is still pretty good. The Bears always play the Rams tough for whatever reason. They're always underdogs. They always seem to play very tough. Khalil Mack has to step up. Hakeem Hicks has to step up. The good thing is both of them are healthy. 
Here's the problem. Because of cap casualties and terrible front office management, they had to go get rid of their best defensive back. So I think that the Bears are going to be picked on in the, in the back end if they can't get to Matthew Stafford. But I told you, I think the Rams have problems up front. I think the Rams are going to watch Matthew Stafford get hit and get hit often by this Bears team. I like the Bears with the points. Now, I, this is uh, obviously a little bit of a homer pick, but I really do. I've broken this game down a million ways, and everybody loves the Rams. And I'm going, you know, Rams will win the game. But the Bears, they might keep this thing real close, and Andy Dalton might surprise some people. Tom, I was over at the circuit today. I saw a juicy line nowadays. You know, our buddy Ron used to joke about how the money lines were so much better, and he was right because nowadays they've obviously taken their licks. But I saw a nice juicy plus three twenty on the Bears tomorrow. If you like them on the money line, and you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't shy away from it. You know, I wish I was getting, you know, with a line like that eight and rising. I wish I was getting four to one. Um, it, it, it's worth sprinkling something on it. Look. The whole world is on the Rams. No one's taking the Bears here. Um, and there's there are just some reasons. There is a game plan I can see where the Bears win. Do I think it happens? No. But there's a game plan that I can see where the Bears win. I wouldn't be totally shocked. The, the, the thing that we're, when I want to look at lines, I'm looking at money lines. To say that Chicago's plus 300 on the road at the Rams, I get it. Detroit is plus 300 at home against the Niners. That doesn't make sense to me, right, Tom? Obviously, the Bears are way better no. than the Lions are. No, and look at look at what Dallas was, right? Dallas wasn't even yeah. that much. You know, there's no consistency nowadays with the money lines as opposed to uh, where the, the number is. Pittsburgh, plus 250 on the road at Buffalo. That that That's a good number, too, I think, if you're that's looking at it. That's a juicy line. Yeah, that's yeah. a juicy number. All right, Tommy, time for your free play last year. Well over 60% on the free plays here at Heat Wave Sports. Give us a side, a total, a money line, however you want to do it. Who do you like tomorrow for the Heat Wave Sports free play of the week? Look, I told you in the beginning of the show, I'm boring. TomBartonSports.com is boring. All I do is win, and it's boring. Uh, but I'm not going boring here. I like unders usually, Tim. I'm taking an over. We talked about it. Tennessee and Arizona is just going to go over this total, and they can't set it high enough. I got it at 52. I know it's at 53. I sort of hit, hit 54 in Atlantic City early today, and they just can't set it high enough for me. Look, everyone's talking about Julio Jones coming back and what that's going to be. Yeah, the passing game is going to be better in Tennessee, but Derrick Henry is going up against a very weak Arizona rushing defense that they, they may have done small little improvements to Arizona's defense, not on the rushing game. I think Henry has a massive game. Tennessee scores, but wait a minute. The other side, Arizona's going up against the number 24 overall defense in Tennessee. They can't stop anybody throwing the ball. I think Murray with a health and the healthy A.J. Green. Hopkins is going to have a big game. To me, this has shootout, shootout, shootout written all over it. You know I don't like my overs here, Tim, but all these teams need to do is play into the, the upper 20s, and I get my over. I'll take it. 27-27 going into overtime. You already got your over. How about that? Tom, I see over Tennessee game tomorrow for the free play. Tom, I'm going to give you a teaser. We're going we're gonna to do Tim's teaser of the week. How about that? I love free, it. Free teaser. Here we go. Give me. I hate teasers, but I like Timmy's teasers. <laughs> Timmy's teaser of the week. 
I'm going to do a seven-pointer. So, yeah, you lose a little juice here, but I'm going to take the extra. Well, I guess I can do a six-and-a-half here with the line. So we'll go six-and-a-half. Give me, give me the Niners, Tom, minus two on the road. And give me the points with the Steelers plus 13 at Buffalo. How about that? Steelers wow. plus 13, Niners minus two. All right. Okay. All right. I, I'm I'm interested in that in that you're going with your Steelers that you you hate so much, and <laughs> everybody in the country is down on the Steelers. Yeah. Tim's going. Give me give me them with the points. Yeah, I'm sure they'll end up screwing me, but that's that's how Pittsburgh Baltimore <laughs> rivalry is, right? And we'll get you the. Of course, tomorrow night we'll re, we'll review or excuse me, we'll preview Baltimore and the Raiders as well as your week one recap. Tom, uh, 4-0 today over at Tom Barton Sports. You clean the board in college football. I know you have some juicy, juicy, that's the word tonight. You have some juicy games lined up for tomorrow as well. Oh, yeah, I like them. I like them a lot tomorrow. So you guys got to go jump on board. It's TomBartonSports.com. That's right. Started it off 4-0. Everything's documented, man. 4-0 today. Uh, yeah, I needed the half a point in one game, but hey, look, four and zero is four and zero. Had a couple of underdogs tomorrow. Going to do more of the same. Look, you sign up now at TomBartonSports.com. You're going to get thirty free days. Thirty days. I'm going to tack on to your original thirty if you sign up and mention this show. That is at TomBartonSports.com. By the way, make sure you guys listen to me tomorrow morning. Hashtag SGN Sports Garden Network. Going to do it right up into kickoff in over a hundred stations in the country. You're going live, right? Going live at 11 a.m. Eastern time. All right, Tommy. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Um, good luck tomorrow, my man. Have a good one, guys. For Tom Barton, Tim Unglesby, Mateo, back with us tomorrow night as well. You stay tuned for the Super Sunday Night Edition of Heat Wave Sports. Have a great opening Sunday. Hope you enjoy the games. We'll talk to you at 10 o'clock tomorrow. It's Heat Wave Sports only on Fox Sports Radio. Good night. What it takes, that's the difference.